It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 3rd, 2020. My name is Phil Prosser-Mike. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about the Orlando Magic's loss of the Miami Heat from Saturday and talk about what is in store for the Magic this week as it does very much feel like the future is coming to a head and the Magic can really no longer outrun at the trade deadline, of course, on Thursday. Before we do any of that, though, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast. I work by searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the Miami Heat's perspective of Saturday's game? Check out Locked On Heat. Want to look ahead to Monday's opponent, the Charlotte Hornets? Check out Locked On Hornets. Plus, we've got great national podcasts in Locked On NBA, Locked On Face Basketball, uh, Rejecting the Screen, and the Duncan and Hollinger NBA Show 2. No matter which team you're interested in learning more about, or really even the sport, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Of course, the big news Sunday, the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I'm sure Locked On Chiefs will have you covered there as well. Check out all these great podcasts wherever you download podcasts today. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The one thing I think we all expected when the Orlando Magic got back to work on Saturday night was that that they would have a little bit more energy and a little bit more fire and, and a little bit more um, uh, just kind of exuberance to play. Um, that, that, that they'd be able to have just a little bit more in the tank than they have in previous games. And 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 certainly, I think even Stephen, Steve Clifford acknowledged that the three or four games prior to uh, this little mini break that the Magic had, uh, they definitely looked fatigued. Not that they couldn't win, uh, and certainly they could have. I think, uh, you know, th- those were tough games, but certainly games that the Magic should have competed a little bit better in. Uh, the Magic certainly just didn't have that extra oomph that they needed to win those games and, and to be really competitive in those games. Um, you could just tell that, that there was just an exhaustion about the team. Uh, and it showed in the lack of attention to detail and, and and just kind of the sloppiness of their play. But coming back to things, you could expect a little bit of sloppiness still. You could expect the team to be just a hair off, at least at the beginning, as they got kind of the game speed back under them. And indeed, I would argue that effort, energy, all that stuff, wasn't a problem against the Miami Heat. Orlando played with pretty good intensity, pretty good energy, and just and generally did a lot of really good things. Early on, there the offense was flowing a lot better than I think a lot of us expected. 
Aaron Gordon certainly looked refreshed. He hit four three-pointers in the first first half. Um, the the ball moved really, really well, and Orlando stayed pretty competitive. And, and Miami had the same issues too, of course. Uh, Miami had not played since Tuesday. They had a back-to-back Monday against Orlando and then Tuesday against Boston. So it... it so, it, it, you know, the Magic certainly, um, you know, played a rested team too. And, 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 and I think that played a role in this game as well as Orlando. Really has just gotten no breaks in the schedule or no, no kind of just good fortune in the schedule uh, for a little while here. But it would all kind of come to a close. And, and while, again, the energy was good, the attention to detail was not there. For, for a lot of the game, the second effort was not there. And this game really became defined by the things the Magic could control that they didn't. You know, we could talk about the shooting, and the offense is a problem. The Magic are missing open shots, which is killing a lot of things. And the Magic don't move the ball consistently. The first quarter and a half was as good as the Magic played offensively in a very, very long time. And then the last half of the second quarter into the, into the second half, Orlando went back to what doesn't work. The high pick-and-roll usage. Yes, with Evan Forney and Nikola Vucevic kind of leading the charge. The lack of movement off the ball. The lack of reacting to what's going on. The lack of just reading and reacting to the game itself. Players were forced, you know, we're, we're trying. Again, this isn't a question of effort, and, and I don't think it's ever been a question of effort this season. Maybe there's been one or two games where the effort wasn't great, but, and, and that happens in an 82-game season. The question to me has never been effort. It's been execution, and, you know, I, I really do believe this, that guys like Nikola Vucevic, like Evan Fournier, like Aaron Gordon, they are trying their hardest, and, and honestly, trying too hard on their own to fix this thing. They know something's wrong. They haven't been able to find that rhythm. They haven't been able to find that pace, and they just can't get out of their own way a little bit. So you had Evan Fournier driving into traps and and turning the ball over. You had pick and rolls that isolated the ball on one side of the floor instead of moving it around. You had guys standing around in the corners, you know, allowing the heat to congest the lane. And the Heat played some zone, but the, it wasn't really the zone defense that beat them. It was Orlando just kind of going where the Heat wanted them to go, not being able to make plays off the dribble, which again, we know is an issue for this team, and not reacting when they did and not hitting open shots when they did. Orlando's defense, while energetic, was not good in the first half. They gave up open threes. They got scrambled a little bit. They got beat off the dribble. Um, you know they they had a they they gave up a, a 10-2 run at the end of the first half, which is which is essentially the game. Two three pointers, one off of an offensive rebound, a fast break point that turned a two point game into a ten point game at the half, and that's about where the lead stayed for much of the second half. As, as Steve Clifford said on, on Sunday after practice, the Magic's defense was fine in the second half. The Magic's defense. Giving up 102 points, the Magic lose 102 to 89. That, that should be off the top, set off the top. The Magic lose this game 102 to 89. It's not because of their defense at the end of the day. Yes, their defense made some critical mistakes at critical moments of the game. There was a possession with about, I want to say, seven or eight minutes left. Orlando's down by six. So they've got the lead, the, the deficit kind of in a manageable range, a really kind of dangerous, dangerous place for Miami. 
Myers Leonard misses a shot. He gets the offense. Uh, the Heat get the offensive rebound. Myers Leonard open three pointer. He misses the shot. He'd get another offensive rebound. They find Tyler Hero for three, and that's, you know, that's a six point game to a nine point game. And those are 50 50 balls that the Magic didn't get. Miami shoots a lot of threes. They get a lot, lot of long rebounds, but Orlando's defense was out of position a lot to get those rebounds. They weren't in a position where they could box out every man. And so the ball fell into open spaces, and the Heat pounced on it, and the Magic didn't. So again, second effort. Defense, good defense in the leagues, good defense anywhere in basketball, is about second and third efforts. It's great if you can stop your man. It's great if you can close out. But it's about kind of that next step. Okay, the guy pump faked. Are you going to stay with him as he kind of sidesteps and tries to create space? You know, when the rotation comes, are you going to stop short or are you, are, you know, what are you going to do there? Are you going to get the rebound to finish a possession? And the issue in this game was twofold to me defensively. The first was at every critical juncture, at every time Miami needed to play, they got one. Jimmy Butler did a lot of that and got a lot of and ones. The Magic couldn't get out of their way with some, with some critical fouls at critical moments. And again, at critical moments, that offensive rebound that, that fell on the floor that the Magic didn't pick up, that cost them this game. But at the same time, we're also still dealing with the very same issues that, that we all know about this team. Orlando giving up 102 points, even in a slow game like this, uh, their, their defensive rating still didn't look great. Um giving up 102 points in this game should be enough to get a win, even at the pace the Magic play at, even at the slow pace that both the Magic and the Heat play at. At the end of the day, the, the defense just has such a small margin for error because the offense is not carrying its weight. And again, as in this one, it was about missing key shots, taking poor shots. I mean, Terrence Ross had, took a bunch of poor shots in this game. And again, maybe they're good shots for him, but he's not hitting them right now. And then it came down to Orlando's failure to execute and move the ball. It's getting stuck in one side. Players are not getting get, finding the space to move uh, and, and to create for, for each other. And so you end up with a lot of aimless dribbling until you finally just take a shot. When the ball stays on one side of the floor, the magic struggle. When the magic don't read and react... To each other, the Magic struggle. When the Magic have such a low assist total and such a low assist rate, the Magic really struggle. You know, Steve Clifford said after the game that, you know, just on his initial watch, he believed the Magic got good shots in this game. And, and I'm sure the statistics would say that a lot of these shots were open. And, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. The Magic have missed an inordinate amount of open shots. And, and, and as I've kind of, I hope I've said here, I know I've said on online, Every move the Magic make from this point forward, at least for the time being, has to have a focus on offense. They have to find a way to get more shooters, to create more space for Markel Fultz, to create more space for Nikola Vucevic, to create more space for whoever. Because right now, teams are just parking four guys in the paint and daring Orlando to shoot. shoot. And every time they try to get a player in the paint, they're collapsing around them and, and really forcing them to make tough passes that take them out of shooting rhythm to begin with. There's a fundamental flaw in this offense. And, and a lot of it is, frankly, personnel. And a lot of it, frankly, is usage. And this game really brought all of that into stark relief. 
this really brought all of that to the front. And with the trade deadline Thursday, it is time to really seriously talk about this team's future and what this team looks like moving forward because the Magic are going to make decisions about their future in the very, very near term. The Miami Heat defeat the Orlando Magic 102-89 to at the Amway Center. Orlando, of course, back in action Monday against the Charlotte Hornets. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's run through that final box score for you real fast. Uh, of course, some some interesting games to talk about here for the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Magic are led in scoring by Aaron Gordon with 24 points. He makes 9 of 20 shots, 4 for 7 from beyond the arc, 5 rebounds, 2 steals, no turnovers, only 1 assist. But overall, uh, you know, just a welcome sight from Aaron Gordon just to see him play uh, at this level to, to be scoring effectively and efficiently. Um, he got uh, really... You know, I think I've said this several times. When the offense works, the ball finds Aaron Gordon. Uh, and I, I really do believe this. Uh, it, you know, you want, you know, I, th- I thought that the analysis that Kevin O'Connor made uh, for the ringer on why he thinks Aaron Gordon individually needs to get out of Orlando to, to be loosened. And I agree with him completely. I think the Magic have misused Aaron Gordon. Uh, I think they misused a lot of their players, to be frank. And that, that probably is a preview to some of the things that the Magic have to do to kind of get everyone in the right spots. Um, I think that trying to fashion Aaron Gordon into an ISO score, which honestly that's more on Aaron Gordon than anyone else, but this off this team, since they don't have a one-on-one attacker, don't have a guy that can get in the paint, they need to find ways to get paint touches and get the ball in the paint. And, you know, Marco Fultz does a good job of that. Evan Fournier is better at it, but I wouldn't rely on him as a primary playmaker. You know, Vucevic getting post touches is good, but, you know, post touches are post touches. Really, what I, I think the element that this Magic team is missing is cutting. Finding ways to get players on the move, receiving the ball in the paint or inside the three-point line around the free-throw area, um, especially against his own defense like Miami runs, is so critical to this offensive success. It's so critical, I think, to the Magic you know, kind of creating the forward momentum that they're looking for. Uh, and and that's something that they really, really did well, I thought, at the beginning of this game. Uh, the first quarter and a half, again, I thought the Magic's offense looked as good as it's looked since the Lakers game, since they beat the Lakers uh, way back when. And uh, again, a character, characteristic of the game that they, they won against the Lakers, a lot of movement, a lot of guys cutting and moving in and out of the lane, just a lot of, just a lot of kind of incisive, decisive passings, passing into the paint, off the bounce, and in transition. Aaron Gordon, I thought, did a good job. He got his feet set on three-pointers. He wasn't dribbling around too much, uh, at least in the first half. Uh, and that got his scoring going. And again, when, when, the, when the offense is working, it finds Aaron Gordon because Aaron Gordon is one of the best players shooting off cuts all year long. Again, uh, if you haven't seen Kevin O'Connor's video, I, I, he does come, very, come down very hard on the Magic. I think it's fair. I think the Magic have not been um, smart or 
uh, uh, creative with how they use Aaron Gordon. I think you know, I, I agree completely that it is still a little ridiculous that the Magic are starting Ken Birch. Um, I, I, although the statistics still like that lineup a little bit, it has been getting worse and worse and worse uh, as teams have figured it out. Um, I think it kills the Magic spacing when we're talking about kind of creating some room to breathe a little bit. Um, the Magic need that, and, and Gordon certainly needs it too, and I think playing Gordon at the four, playing Gordon where he's a little bit clo- operating a little bit closer to the basket or, or just kind of freeing up the lane a little bit. Even having Vucevic operate out of the high post with a, with a you know kind of four wings to, to move in and out of the lane I think would be a huge boost for this team and and you know I, I again I, I think you know there's that, there was that criticism of Steve Clifford in Charlotte as well that offensively he's not that ingenious he's not gonna try new things he's not gonna experiment a little bit offensively we haven't seen Aaron Gordon at the at, at the five really at all and I, I get you know maybe limited lineups but there is something to that there is something to getting Gordon involved in pick and rolls as a screener not as a ball handler because um, again, it gets him in motion, and I'm a big, I'm a big proponent. I, I grew up in a motion offense. I'm a big proponent of using cuts and screens off the ball to free up players. It, it, it is, it is so much more effective. Defenses don't like guarding it. Um, you can really find a lot of offense, and, and Gordon, I think, certainly can. Uh, he had 24 points again, nine for 20, shooting a really nice game for him. Um, as the game wore on, I think the Heat's defense really focused in on him. He's, you know, as and again. I, I think O'Connor comes, you know, if you saw that O'Connor video on the ringer, he comes hard, very hard on the magic, which they deserve. But I think Gordon is the other element of that. He is, he is not a great finisher in transition, despite what you would think he would be as an athletic wing. He, he d- tends to make really poor decisions on attacking the basket, exposes the ball. Bam out of bio blocked a shot at least two times, maybe three times, up to, definitely three times, actually twice on transition, once uh, on a three pointer at the end of the first half. Um, probably a lot more. Um, you know, when when the Heat were able to key in on him a little bit, uh, it really killed the rest of the offense because, again, Orlando just kind of got a lot a lot more stagnant. So uh, a good game for Aaron Gordon overall, but still a lot of work to do. I thought his defense was not particularly good on Jimmy Butler. I thought he, he let Butler get by him a few times. Got better as the game went on, though, as, as the whole Magic's defense did. So um, hopefully that's a sign that, that, the, that Gordon's come out of his offensive funk a little bit. Uh, that the Magic have kind of found a way to get him to play a little bit better, and of course that his defense is back on point as well. Nikola Vucevic scored 21 points, 10 for 16 shooting, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, uh, 2 blocks as well. A nice game for Vucevic. I thought the Magic, especially early on, did a very good job getting in the ball in the post in areas that he could score. Uh, I am a big proponent of eliminating all standstill post-ups. I think standstill post-ups are terrible possessions. They're essentially isolation plays, which don't work anyway. Uh, and I think that I think that getting Vucevic on the move so that he is getting post ups uh, before the defense can get set and dislodge him is, is certainly a much better way to get him baskets. He's good when he makes quick decisions. He made quick decisions with his moves. He didn't kind of sit and wait. He didn't try to do too much. Um, so I thought he was very good there. Got open threes, missed some four three pointers. I'm okay with him shooting that many um, and, and as long as he gets a healthy dot. You know, dose of shots on the inside. He did in this game. Uh, so overall, I think a good game for Nikola Vucevic. He was matched up mostly with Myers Leonard. He struggled on closeouts. And again, just another reason why it, it feels very silly to have Ken Birch out there. I get Myers Leonard is a big guy, but he is a shooter. He is out there to make threes, and, and he crushed he crushed the heat magic on the boards anyway. Um, I, I really think that, that you know, Orlando's got to move off Ken Birch. And I think it's hurting Vucevic. I think it's hurting the defense. You know, I, I think it's certainly hurting the offense. I, I, I think the numbers have 
you know, they, they built up a nice cushion. I think teams struggled to figure out how to play it early on. Now that they all have tape on it, I, I think teams have adjusted, and, and I think we're see, that's why we're, the numbers are, are going down on it. Um, and I think, I think we can all see that that ship is sinking. Marco Fultz, I thought, had a really nice game as well. 11 points, 4 for 8 shooting, 6 assists, 4 turnovers, however. Uh, 5 fouls. His fouling was a bit of an issue for both him and Michael Carter-Williams. Just a little late defensively, just a hair late defensively, which you expect with a little bit of rust and, and certainly Fultz, you know, getting some, some you know, rookie knowledge as well. But I thought Fultz, especially early on, was kind of the catalyst of the team. Um, I, I think that I am a proponent of giving him more trust and letting him run the offense. I think the offense works much better when he initiates the offense instead of giving it to Evan Fournier or having Fournier run side pick and rolls with Nikola Vucevic. I, I don't think that that works. I think when Fournier tends to run the offense, and, and maybe this is a product of this game more than anything else, and I'll explain why here in a bit. Um, I think when Fournier operates the offense it tends to focus on creating a specific matchup and getting to an isolation set or some type of post-up set or pick-and-roll set. And I think that unless you're doing that late in the shot clock because the the, the, the whole offensive set is petered out, I think that limits you a ton. And, and Fournier is good at that. He's not a bad pick-and-roll player at all. Um, so it's not a bad play to run every once in a while. But if that's the basis of your offense, you're going to be in trouble. And, and I think that's where the Magic were at, especially in the second half. Uh, when Fultz runs the offense, he does a much better job kind of getting the team into its pace. And, and I, I'm a big proponent of that pace. You know, I looked at some stats uh, stats after this game. Um, you know, Orlando is dead last in the league in average time of possession after a made basket and points per possession after a made basket. So Orlando really, really struggles to kind of create their pace and tempo in the half court. That, that's really what that tells me. It's, it's hard to score after a made basket anyway because the defense gets set, but um, being last in that really tells me that Orlando struggles with its pace, and, and I think Fultz does a better job setting the team's pace. He makes mistakes. He drives into traffic. He doesn't always, he, he doesn't always do, do, his, do his good work there, but overall, I thought Fultz was a catalyst for, for good things for the Magic in this game. To the bad, to the bad in this game. Evan Fournier, three for thirteen shooting, two for seven from beyond the arc, twelve rebounds, four assists, three turnovers. Um, I, I I get it. Fournier had a bad, had an injured back. He did not practice with the team this week. He tried to gut it out. Um, you know, he wants to. He, he is important to this team. Uh, say what you want about him. He's struggling a lot right now, but he is very important to this team. Uh, and, and you know, I I give him credit and, and respect that he tried to go and tried to help his team win and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm never going to not respect that. And it's something you have to respect about Evan Fournier. Um, but he just didn't have a shot in this game. Going two for seven from three, uh, just missing open shots. Just it, 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 It's killer for a team that, that just can't hit shots. Nine for 33 from beyond the arc. Same goes for Terrence Ross, except he doesn't have the injury as an excuse. Terrence Ross, two for 11, one for seven from beyond the arc. You know, Steve Clifford would tell you that Ross is getting all the same looks that he got last year and just missing them. I agree. We, we all expected some regression for Ross. But overall, it just hasn't been good for Terrence Ross. He's just struggled so much to get his shot going. He struggled so much. Um, and, and, and really, when he's in the game, the Magic runs so much for him. And, and he's the one doing a lot of cuts and pin downs and all that, which is stuff I like. Um, they run so much for him, and he's just got the green light to shoot it. And, and his shot selection does, is just not coming within the flow of the offense. It is... It is not coming at times that the Magic need him to shoot, and that's just hurting them again and again and again and again. Um, 
it's it's frustrating to watch this all. It's it's really frustrating because mm-hmm. Ross is getting good looks and defenses are trying to do a little bit better job preventing those looks, but they're not going in. And again, I, I think I've said this before. Ross has to know when he has it and when he doesn't. And when he doesn't have it, be a decoy, be a threat, but look to keep the ball moving. Look to force the defense to react to you and then find the next guy or, or use yourself to get others open. And then I think that's something that Ross has, has generally struggled with because eventually if you do that, then opponents are going to ease off you a little bit, and that's when you'll get the room to make those shots that you want to make. It's all it's all connected here. Orlando, again, shoots 39.8% from the floor, 27.3% from beyond the arc, 14 for 17 from the foul line, 21 assists on 33 field goal makes, just nine turnovers in the game, 10 stocks as well. So Orlando does some good things. I, you know, I, I don't think that this was a terrible game by any stretch, but the offense just, just is not giving them enough support. And Orlando's defense was good, but not great. And and with the way the offense plays, they've got to be great. Uh, and generally, they've got to be great if they want to have a chance to win because that's that's kind of the key to their whole thing. Uh, Miami shoots 42.9% from the floor, so good percentage there. But 15 of 33 from beyond there. 15 of their 33 field goal makes were three-pointers. Those three-pointers just, just all hurt the magic. Just all were daggers. Myers Leonard with four. Tyler Hero with six. Miami gets goes 21 of 26 from the foul line. Jimmy Butler, eight of nine from the foul line on his own. 10 offensive rebounds, they all seem to kill the magic. In fact, 10 offensive rebounds leading just, just to six second chance points, But so they didn't kill them that much. But again, just all backbreakers. Just it, There were at least two occasions where the Heat got multiple offensive rebounds and they ended in three-pointers. So uh, just big losses there for, for the magic. Um, Jimmy Butler with 24 points, Tyler Hero with 23, Myers Leonard with 18. The magic do a good, better job on Bam Adebayo, just four points, 14 rebounds, five assists. Uh, for him, but four blocks as well as he goes one for eight from the floor. The Miami Heat defeat the Orlando Magic 102-89. to Orlando's now sitting in eighth, half game behind the Brooklyn Nets. So the playoff race still very much on. Chicago's still hanging around three and a half games back of Orlando. Uh, so, uh, you know, still some distance and breathing room in the playoff race. But we're at a point now, we're in trade deadline week, where decisions have to be made. And I think a, a lot of us have sensed that there is one clear thing that has that has to be decided, if not now, then certainly in the summer, about this team moving forward. Hey, if... Uh, You've been a listener of this podcast. I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Magic is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Magic fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Magic fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thursday is inevitably going to come. The 3 o'clock hour will pass and the trade deadline will be done for the season. And undoubtedly the Magic are in a weird spot entering the trade deadline. They are a playoff team. Say what you want about the Eastern Conference, and there's plenty to say about that. But the moving target that is the playoffs are very much in play for Orlando, and the Magic have no reason to believe that even without changes to this roster, that they are a playoff team this year. And at the end of the day, everything we've talked about this year, all the goals that we might have had for this team, started with one thing, and that is making the playoffs. As I, as I said before the season began, the season is a failure if they don't make the playoffs. Again, that doesn't necessarily make it a success, but it is a failure if they don't make the playoffs. The whole kind of gamble the Magic made was that re-signing all those players would help the Magic retain their playoff positioning, which is why I said... One of the key goals for the season is to prove that the playoffs last year were not a fluke. I I could honestly safely say I don't feel like this is jinxing anything or that I'm going to get my, you know, something's going to come back and bite me in the ass here. 50, sorry for the cursing, uh, 50 games into the season, the Magic are and should be a playoff team. We are at the point where the playoffs are expected and honestly, maybe not a given, but feels very much like, yes, of course this is a playoff team. But that second goal, of course, was always about doing more, about being a better team, of showing progress, of looking like this team could take the step up into competing for something real. It it may seem like I am obsessed wholly and solely with making the playoffs this season. And, it is, and, I'm, and I am because that's the baseline goal. You can't achieve anything else without doing that. But ultimately, you don't want to just make the playoffs. You want to win something. You want to win a series. You want to win two series. You want to win a championship at the end of the day. And so the other question this Magic team had to answer is, are they closer to a championship? Are they building a championship team? Are they getting better at the end of the day? And on that count, we probably have to say no. On that count, we probably have to acknowledge that this has been a disappointing season. Or the team is not living up to its potential and its expectations. And I think everyone can agree with that statement. Yes, there have been injuries. Jonathan Isaac getting Jonathan Isaac looked like a real player. And, and again, I think one of the goals is to say that, that is to see improvement from young players. And Markel Fultz certainly has shown improvement. Mo Bamba, another really nice game Saturday. He's had three really nice games. 
you know, on the one year anniversary of that of that of the discovery of the, the stress fracture from last year, he's looked better and better, and I am a lot more confident in him than I was, you know, a, a month ago for sure. And and I, I did I did like what he was doing, and, and there's still a long way to go with Mo, but Mo has looked good, and certainly Jonathan Isaac looked very very good too. Injuries have derailed a lot of things and a lot of plans for this Magic team. They've been unable to find a rhythm because guys have shuffled in and out of the lineup. And yeah, Monday, Evan Fournier may not play. And I think some people might say that that's a blessing in disguise. I'm not so sold on that. But certainly, you know, some change to continuity will hurt the team in the long run. Orlando needed needs to have their best players and have their best lineups available for an extended period of time. And that just hasn't happened. Not consistently, at least. But we are seeing a lot of the same patterns emerge. Things that we knew were weaknesses of Nikola Vucevic, of Evan Fournier, of Terrence Ross, of Aaron Gordon, of, of every player on the roster. We seem to see them crystallize more and more and more. And even though the Magic are in playoff position, even though the Magic are nominally, at least, better than they were last year. And I I will say this, just watching them play, I do see a team that is better than it was last year. They're not playing like it. Their record, and and frankly, that's part of the disappointment. This team is underachieved, and it's very clear they've underachieved to me. And that is a statement that says a lot in and of itself. The trade deadline brings everyone's future into focus. The trade deadline is kind of the first pencils-down moment of reshaping your team. And typically, on the trade deadline, you see teams reshape their teams for the short term, for, for, for the rest of this season. Not much further beyond that. But Orlando does have decisions to make this week. Evan Fournier is a player option on the final year of his contract. He can become a free agent this summer. And while there isn't a lot of money to, money to be thrown around this summer... Fournier would be one of the top free agents. And if he's looking for one last four-year deal, four-year deal like the one he got four years ago, certainly if he wants to put the Magic in a very serious bind, he's prob- he'd probably opt out. And so Orlando does have to consider that, yes, we're going to have to pay Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz in 2021. We can't pay everyone. we got to flip one of these assets into something, into more depth, into more shooting, into, into something. But what that something is, I don't know, because the market will dictate what Fournier is worth, both as a free agent and as a trade piece. The Magic, though, on the court, very much look like they've hit their ceiling. Or if not hit their ceiling, are bumping their head against it on several occasions. Their offense just can't come unstuck. And the team does seem to defer to veteran players who, while productive, while able to score, don't score enough or score efficiently enough to make a real difference for this team. It almost feels like the Magic need to start from scratch with their offense. And if that's the case, that does mean addition by subtraction. That does mean moving off of Evan Forney, moving off of Nikola Vucevic. And both certainly are in play. Orlando has to have its future in focus now. 
the magic, my belief at the trade deadline, the magic will not make a move that seriously jeopardizes their playoff position. They're not about to trade Evan Forney and Nikola Vucevic in one fell swoop without getting something significant in return that makes them better for this year's playoffs. But they're not going to make a move just to save this season, or however you want to define it. They're probably too far back to catch Philadelphia at six, and fighting for seventh isn't something to pour future assets into. The Magic strategy will always be on the long term, on something beyond this year, because their core players are still Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz, and, and probably still Aaron Gordon, although there's uh, Adrian Wojnarowski seems to believe that the Magic are shopping Aaron Gordon around a little bit. The goal for the Orlando Magic is to help build that long-term future. And as Orlando continues to struggle on offense and, and show inconsistency on, de- on defense, one of the things they have to consider, one of the, honestly, the big question they have to consider is are they ready to put the offense in Marco Fultz's hands? Are they ready to put the offense in Aaron Gordon's hands? Are they ready to put the offense in Jonathan Isaac's hands? Are they ready to fully trust those guys to be team leaders in the locker room and on the floor? It seems early for that, I, I, I will admit. I've often compared what we're seeing this season from the Orlando Magic to where the Magic were at in 2007. Orlando had missed the playoffs for two consecutive years uh, uh, after, after trading Tracy McGrady and returned to the playoffs in 2007. But they faced big decisions there too. They finished eighth in the East. Got swept by the Detroit Pistons. They got their taste of the postseason. But they knew that they couldn't, they knew that to, to get better, they had to take a little bit of a gamble. They had to trust that their young players were ready to lead. And so they told, you know, Grant Hill and the Magic, I think, mutually agreed to part ways. He was a free agent that summer. A seven-year contract was up. And the Magic opted not to re-sign him. That was a mutual decision. And and I think it was Magic-driven because they knew Dwight Howard would always defer to Grant Hill. They knew that Dwight Howard could not be the leader and, and the player they ultimately envisioned for him, where he demanded the ball and was the central figure of the offense until Grant Hill was off the team to free up that space and that, that leadership space, on the floor at least, for him. I think this is again one of the big questions that the Magic face. Is are they ready to turn things over to Jonathan Isaac, to Aaron Gordon, to Marco Fultz, or to whoever? Are they ready to give that core responsibility over this team? And I think unlike the Dwight Howard question when Dwight was a first-time All-Star and was clearly destined for greatness. I don't think that answer is particularly clear at the moment. I, obviously, Isaac's injured. Gordon has had his struggles. Fultz is, Fultz is certainly worthy and, and earning of more responsibility, more uh, kind of individual responsibility within the offense. But that's the ultimate question the Magic have to answer now. They see their ceiling. And I think that was an important thing to discover in this season, to figure out just where, just how good this Magic team can be. And I think we've seen that 
They can be pretty good. They are a playoff team. They are one of the eight best teams in the East. But they're probably not good enough to compete for anything real with this group. We all anticipate changes coming to this roster. Maybe not at the deadline. I anticipate a slow deadline. I, I don't. I think there are too many teams that feel that they can make the playoffs, so you don't have the typical group of sellers who are looking to get off bad contracts. And I, I, I just honestly, the Magic's forty-eight contract is really one of the more attractive contracts out there. I don't see a deal that keeps the Magic competitive in the way that they want. So I am skeptical to say the least of the Magic making a trade at this point. But, you know, things change very, very quickly in in the final hours before the deadline. In either case, the Magic are very clearly at that decision point. The Magic are very clearly at a juncture where they have to really map out their future. The future is coming. Those decisions are on the horizon. And they are unavoidable at this point regardless of where the Magic finish this season. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Apple Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the phone places and podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. The Orlando Magic take on the Charlotte Hornets Monday night at 7 o'clock to start a three-game road trip. We'll have complete coverage of that game coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. So until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Mike. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.